You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, we're on episode 225, and today's topic is, can you force mold mitigation if you have toxic mold? So what I mean by that is... Let's say at work, you know, you have a mold concern. You're able to do some sort of swab, tape lift. Somehow you're able to test it. You sent it off to a lab and it come back positive for stachybotrys. Can you force your employer to mitigate that mold? Uh, let's say you have a child at daycare. Another situation similar to what we just talked about. Say there's a mold concern in a school or even in a rental. If you're a renter, we talked about... Uh, what you could do as a renter several weeks ago. Anyhow, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, we've told our principal, the superintendent, we've told our supervisor, our company owner, whoever it is, we've told them that, that there is a mold concern and we know it's toxic mold. Don't they have to fix that? And the short answer actually is no. I mean, you can't... <laughs> For the most part, you can't force somebody to fix something. Uh, we talked about the public health department and getting them involved. Is it possible to get them involved and have the property condemned? Of course, all that's possible, but it's a really long process. So I just wanted to address the fact that can you force mitigation if you know indeed it is toxic mold? And I don't think you can. I've never been involved in a situation where my clients have come to me and let's just say the scenario is, you know, your child at school has, you know, respiratory problems. They've never had any asthma issues. They get home from school and 
you know, they're sneezing, they have headaches. You decide when you go to parent-teacher conference that you're going to check out the classroom and you see some mold and you then want to address it. It's not that easy for you to just force somebody to fix the mold. So another question is, is what should you do? Let's, let's go back to that school scenario. What should you do if you believe that your children or child is being exposed to toxic mold at school? That's a tough one. You know, we talked about it a little bit last week. You know, when, when Cassandra was on, uh, she, you know, she reiterated document, document, document. Something that's very difficult when it comes to mold that's not in your own residence is, you know, you can't just, even if you have the money or the means, you can't just have mitigation performed. You know, if you're in your own home, you can vacate the property and you can do what you got to do. It's a little more difficult when, when it's your children's school. So um, going back to the topic, though, if it is toxic mold, can you force them? Of course, you know, after a long, lengthy process, you can. But for the most part, it's very, very difficult. And for those that are listening and you're like, man, so, you know, what do I do, Steve? I'm not sure, you know, whether you're a renter or it's your children's daycare. Like, so what do you do? And as I've always said, you remove yourself or whoever's being exposed to the mold. You have to remove them from that situation. And I get it. If it's daycare, you know, we all have jobs. It's, you know, someone's got to watch our kids uh, if we're not around. If it's your workplace, well, you have to have a job. You know, I think working from home is probably a thing of the past. Maybe it's not, but, you know, I think it's a lot more difficult to deal with it. And I understand that. But the first thing you have to do is make those people aware. When I say those people, if it's your workplace, your supervisor, the owners, um, and the best way to do that is obviously an email or a text. You know, something in writing is the best way. Uh, that way you have a timestamp, you have your concerns noted. There's no question as to what you're saying. Uh, if you have a phone conversation or just a verbal conversation uh, in face, um, it's it's a lot more difficult. Uh, you know, for for someone like me that knows all the proper verbiage and knows what mitigation looks like, knows what mold infestations look like, it's, it's, it's a lot easier, obviously, for me to, to approach that. But, you know, the best thing you can do is you can be very clear that you have a health concern, explain what health concerns you're having, explain what you have done as far as in your own home to show that you know it's, you know, you've ruled out your own home, and then also ask them what they're going to do about it. Uh, if they poo-poo that away and they're not going to do anything, there's not much you can do. And I get it. Like, you can't just quit your job. You can maybe ask for the property owner or your boss, supervisor, whoever it is. Maybe you can ask for an air purifier, but all that is is a Band-Aid. Not removing yourself is very risky. You don't know what your body's tolerance levels are, you could hit a point where your body's just telling you, hey, we're, we're done. We're over this. So make sure you do whatever you can do. So how do you identify a toxic mold infestation? For me, it's this is just an opinion. I'm sure other mold professionals are going to disagree with me. But, you know, mold spores are naturally present. Mold infestations are not. So as soon as you see a mold infestation, whether it's viable, meaning it's alive, it's thriving, 
not dry. It's got some texture to it. It's, you know, kind of to me, it's the difference between a, a piece of bread that's fresh versus a piece of bread that's dried out. You can tell, um, I guess for me, the, the easiest way to tell is we can check the humidity levels. If the humidity levels are 60% or higher, we can pretty much say, yeah, that's viable mold growth. And also, if you're being exposed to it or you see it quite often, you can tell that, hey, it went from, you know, three or four square feet in area up to seven or eight within just a couple days. So that's how you're going to know if it's viable. But my point is, is whether it's viable mold or non-viable mold, it doesn't matter. Non-viable mold just means that it's not getting larger. The humidity is not over 60%. That's all it means is it's just not getting bigger. It's still harmful to you. And we've done other podcast episodes speaking to that. And I'm not sure what the episode numbers are, but you can look through and uh, see, you know, what I've had to say on viable versus non-viable mold, um, dormant versus, you know, alive and thriving. Um, Dead. A lot of people want to use the term dead mold. Um, I don't believe that mold's ever really dead. It's just dormant and it's just non-viable. But anyhow, how do you identify what types of molds there are in a viable mold colony? For me, that that's something totally out of my wheelhouse. Um, I'm not a microbiologist. I don't attempt to identify molds without having an actual microbiology or, or, a, or a certified mold lab. I let them do that. Um, I know there are professionals out there that can look at mold types and they might not have the certifications or the education. I just don't go down that road. But I guess my point is, is as far as identifying a mold infestation, as far as mold types, to me, it doesn't matter. Mold mitigation, and you're once again, you're going to hear other professionals disagree with what I have to say, but this is obviously my opinion. They think that it is important to test for the mold uh, to determine the protocols you're going to follow when it comes to mold mitigation. We, as as far as CNC contractor services, we do not base our mold mitigation protocols or steps based on the mold types present. Because in my opinion, if especially where we are in Wyoming and Utah, if there are mold infestations, there was obviously a moisture intrusion event. The sheetrock got wet, the carpet, insulation, wood, whatever. It got wet. It caused uh, a mold infestation, which for the most part, Humidity above 60% for at least 48 hours, and then you can have viable mold growth. Anyhow, wet building materials can produce all sorts of harmful toxins, um, VOC, stuff like that. So to me, it doesn't really matter what the mold types are. It needs to be mitigated. So for those of you out there listening that are like, hey, I'm a mold professional. I've been doing this for 30 years. Here's why you should test prior to mitigation. I'm not trying to argue with anybody. This is just my opinion. To me, the next step is to start mold mitigation. Now, if you're dealing with maybe renters, maybe you're dealing with a unique situation, maybe you don't know for sure if it's discoloration or if it is in fact mold, then of course, you know, you would need to test. But when I say you can see a clear mold infestation, I mean, it's clear. And if somebody wants to argue otherwise, then then let them prove that it's not mold. But if we know it's mold, my point is, is you might as well just jump to the mitigation side. As far as identifying toxic mold, that is, I don't care what color the mold is. Mold types 
can be different colors. Can They can be different colors with the same mold type based on what material it's growing on, the other molds that are in that colony. Like it, There's just too many variables. So to me, trying to identify mold is way out of my wheelhouse. So it's not something that, that I like to cover. So let's say that you do live in a rental and your landlord agrees to fix the mold. Or if your child's in daycare and they agree to fix the mold or it's your workplace. What should you expect when they say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to take care of the mold concerns? Well, first and foremost, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, you should expect to not be inside that property, period. From the moment you identify that it's mold until you get post-mitigation air testing and testing done. A lot of times it's not just air tests. You can do tape lifts, swabs, things like that. You should not be inside that property at all. Now, let's say it's a school. Should the entire school or all the students in the entire school not be in school? If it's isolated to just one classroom, they can put containments up. There's there's things, there's measures you can put in place to obviously isolate one area. Of course, that's possible. Now, if you have a child that's in daycare, that's in daycare in the basement of a home, that that would be pretty difficult. And, and I, when I say difficult, even if there was a mold concern upstairs, I would still recommend that that nobody's inside that property. First and foremost, you should expect to vacate that property. How long should that happen? That all depends on the mold mitigation technicians and the process. I know for our guys, if even if we have something that's literally only going to take six hours to mitigate the actual mold, meaning get rid of that mold, it's not a six-hour process. For us, we, for a minimum... We run our air scrubbers for at least 48 hours after we're done with mitigation. There are chemicals that we use. We use ozone machines. We use air scrubbers. I've talked about why we use the different pieces of equipment that we use. My point is this. For the most part, you cannot expect to have mold mitigation done within 24 hours, meaning you leave, you come back a day later. In my opinion, that is not the proper way to do it. I don't care if they're just fogging. It's just not the proper way uh, that mold mitigation should happen. And my point is this, it should be a minimum of at least three days, one day to perform the mitigation itself, two days, 48 hours for the cool down period. You can call it whatever you want, but the period where nobody's inside the property, no chemicals are being sprayed, only air scrubbers are running, and then you, you run the air test and then do tape lifts if you need to on other surfaces. So that's what you should expect. If someone's saying, yeah, you know, just we're going to start in the morning, you'll, you'll be good to come in tomorrow night, meaning 12 hours later. That's that's not sufficient. So my point is you should expect the technicians to be there. And for a typical mold infestation, we're going to be there for at least three or four days doing the actual mitigation part, plus our two-day cool down period. So you're honestly looking at almost six days just for the mitigation, cool down period, and then air testing. Then once we do air testing, depending on how much we pay to ship, if you do three-day FedEx, that's three business days to get the samples to the lab. If we do standard turnaround time at the lab, that's going to be another two to three days. So you're literally looking at least, you know, 10 to 15 business days. You should expect that. Mold mitigation shouldn't and isn't 
a process that we take lightly and we do quickly. That's just not how we operate. A good mold mitigation company like CNC Contractor Services, we are going to make sure we take the time and do everything properly. When we say we're going to take our time, we don't work slowly and mosey around. We are going to take the time to make sure we have chased that mold as far as we have to chase it. And any of you that have dealt with mold mitigation or dealt with us uh, on a personal or not personal level, but on a business level, but you've dealt with our company directly, I guess directly was a better word to say, um, you're going to know that mold is the gift that keeps on giving. And as, as terrible as it is, it's just something we have to keep chasing. If we don't keep chasing it, then we're not going to find all the mold. And if we don't find all the mold, we end up encapsulating it. Sometimes that is necessary. Sometimes we have clients that say, hey, this is all we're going to pay you to do. Maybe the insurance company is only going to pay. Once you're done at that point, you encapsulate, waterproof, whatever term you want to use. That's all you're going to do and you're done. We don't like to go down that road, but sometimes that's the road we have to go down. But my point is, is that mold mitigation, you should not expect to get in and out quickly. So let's kind of recap what the whole purpose of this episode was. Can you force mold mitigation if it is toxic mold? For the most part, no. Now, are there steps you can take to do that? Of course there are. It's a lengthy process. But just like we talk about all the time, if you think you're being exposed to toxic mold, you have to remove yourself from that exposure. And I get it, as tough as it is, if it's your children's daycare, you might not have anywhere else to take them. But long term, it's going to be in your best interest and your family's best interest to remove yourself from that mold exposure. Because that's the only way you're going to get better. Um, We talked to Dr. Fox a couple months ago, and she said, yeah, of course there's things we can do while you're still being exposed that may improve the symptoms. But for the most part, no. Like, you've got to leave. So, you know, I'm not on the medical side of things, but you heard it right from a doctor. You cannot heal if you do not remove yourself from that moldy environment. So what's my call to action? If you're a renter, if you're a parent, Uh, If you're an employee and you think that you're being exposed to mold, reach out to a professional. There's more than just people like myself. There's plenty of us out there and there's plenty of room for all of us. So that's why for the most part, you don't hear me sitting there slamming my competitors. There's, There's plenty of mold to deal with and there's plenty of us that can deal with it, but you've got to reach out to a professional. Um, I do have courses on Udemy. Uh, I know I've probably said it numerous times, but I do have one that is called, Is Toxic Mold Making Me Sick? Um, You can go to Udemy in the comment section. I will put a link for this, but that is a completely free course, Um, and it's U-D-E-M-Y, Udemy. You go to that website, Like I said, I have four courses there. One of them is completely free. My other courses are DIY home inspection, DIY mold inspection, and building a mold-resistant home. And then obviously the fourth one's the free one, is toxic mold making me sick. Like I said, it's a completely free course. I've chosen to thus far for the last couple of years, make it free. And I have no intentions on making it a paid course. So it's completely free. Even if it goes to a paid course down the road, if you signed up when it was free, it'll always be free to you. But you can go to that. It's udemy.com. And once again, this is episode 225. Thank you for listening and have a great day.
Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.